welcome to Mondays with Millie, a podcast about the past with real relevance to the present day. I'm your host, Phil Christofaro, and in this podcast series, I interview my 89-year-old mother-in-law, Doreen, who I affectionately call Millie, about her ordinary life and the extraordinary events which influenced it. Millie has witnessed firsthand some incredible things across 10 decades. This is a personal history which gives us some perspective about life's triumphs and challenges. Will we have rainbows day after day? Here's what my sweetheart said. Welcome to episode number six of season two. This episode is called but you've already proposed to me. In the final episode of season two, Millie receives not one, but two proposals and is off on her first plane ride to Jersey. JC is pleasantly surprised to learn that Millie is already a homeowner and he has some adjusting to do now that he's sharing a somewhat full house. There are jobs to be done and it's all hands on deck. Please enjoy this final episode of season two of Mondays with Millie. The future's not ours to see. What will be, will be. Did you, you probably had very fond memories of him? By that stage? Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, when he ditched me when we were much younger, it was really because at 16 I was, I'd become a bit too young for me. He was going out with wrens and people like that, you know. Hmm. He was 19, you see, when he went in the Navy. So I was small fry, wasn't I, compared to wrens? <laughs> but, um, I had plenty of boyfriends afterwards, so it, it, I wasn't heartbroken. What was your first date? First date? The, the second time around. Well, he he asked me to meet him at, uh, on the following Sunday. And I thought, no, I'm not going to meet you on Sunday because I know very well you're meeting Irene on Saturday, you see. Because she told me, or she told somebody else at work. So, so I wrote back. I mean, those days your letters arrived the following day. There was no delay with the mail. I put my home phone number on the letter, and I just said, uh, "No, I couldn't see him on Sunday, but I could see him on Saturday." <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't I not? That was horrible. Horrible, really. So he phoned me the following day. He must have got the letter, and he phoned me. And he and by then it was Friday, you see. So he said, I, "I'm sorry, I can't see you tomorrow. I've already made arrangements." <laughs> so I thought, well, well, I can't say what I thought. <laughs> so I said, well, that's it then, you know. So I said, oh well, that's all right. Well, probably we'll bump into each other at some time, you know. Anyway, he he did ring me on the Sunday. And, of course, I wasn't doing anything. And he said, could he see me the following Saturday? So I said, yes. 
Get in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the awful thing is, <laughs> he felt guilty. He always felt guilty about this because he had to get rid of Irene, who was a, trying to cling on. He'd never actually taken her out. He'd only met her dancing and then he'd walk her to her bus, you see, and that was it. So he'd never had, really had a date with her, but she was very clingy. And uh, so he said um, he had to get rid of her. So he introduced her on that Saturday night. He introduced her to a boy who worked at British Aerospace that he knew, who was also there dancing. And he said, oh, you two must dance with each other. You're both very good dancers. <laughs> so he palmed her off onto this boy. And she married him. Oh, he what? Yes, she no married him. No way. And, and from the day she married, she never worked again. And they didn't have any children or anything. <laughs> and he always felt very guilty about that. Oh, well, I don't think he should feel too guilty because it worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, he said, he, he, I shouldn't have done that. He was a really nice lad, you know. <laughs> but there we are. So so by this stage, things are pretty good. You're in a good job that yes. you like doing. You're in yes. a new house. You've got a new rekindled an, an older relationship which is now a new relationship and you're both 10 years older and a lot more mature yes, and yes. perhaps ready to settle down you, you yes. would have been an attractive proposition to him being a homeowner oh but he didn't know i didn't tell him oh no i didn't tell him i owned the house oh no um and uh, he came and spent christmas with us and um his mother and sister were going away for Christmas and he came, he was going to spend Christmas at Tom's house. And then I invited him to come stay with us. So um, he, he gave back word to Tom who was quite, he didn't mind about that. And he came to stay with us. And then in the January, of course, I was moving. We, well, we he knew we were all moving house, but he thought, of course, I was living with my father. And it, in fact, he was living with me. So I was, I went to, uh, I was scrubbing out, you know, used to leave new houses in awful state, really. There'd be cement here and all sorts of things. And I, I was there sort of get, preparing to move uh, one Sunday and he came, uh, he came to see me, you see. And um, I was sat on a bucket, there was nothing else to sit on. And he was sat on, I forget, a a box or something, wooden box, sat in front of this fire in this bare room with nothing there, and he proposed to me. And I said to him, uh, well, yes, but you've already proposed to me. And he looked at me and he said, have I? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you proposed to me on Christmas Eve. And he went, oh, I thought I'd just dread that. <laughs> really? He must have had a few drinks, too many, I think. And I'd already told my dad that I was going to marry him. When, he proposed, him, said, well, when he proposed the second time in a sober state. Well, no, I'd already told my dad that I was going to marry him. 
So if he didn't propose to me again, I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> but he didn't know. He'd no idea that I owned the house. And I didn't intend telling him at that stage. And then, um, so we, we decided we would get engaged. We didn't rush it, you know. I said, you know, let's take this slowly. So that was in the January when you proposed. And then in July, um, we had factory holidays in those days. The factory closed down in July. And my father always took the children, three grandchildren off to Butlins. Um, they'd go to different Butlins camps each year. And, of course, that was their big holiday. And they always went in July, you see. So my dad said, um, why don't you two have a holiday on your own? You know, and the boys will, you know, they'll come with me as usual. To, Paul will come with me as usual to Butlins. So we did, and we went to um, Jersey. That was the first time I'd ever flown. It was weird. It was a small plane, and it, you sort of, it sloped as you walked in. It was a weird feeling, you know. Um, it was a, you know, a twin wing thing. It was a, had a propeller and everything. So we got engaged while we were in Jersey, and then we got married the following March. Everyone got married in March in those days because you got quite a lump sum from the income tax, you see. Oh, really? <laughs> if you were married, yeah, if you're married just before April, you'd have a hot that you could claim the whole year on a married man's allowance. So lots and lots of couples got married in March. Yeah. Wow. But but you see, so John, I mean, he'd been working quite a few years then and it saved, you know, because he hadn't been used to spending money before anyway. So um, he'd, um, he said to me, um, um, so what are we going to do then like when we get married? You know, he said, um, obviously, your dad will let us stay there a while, will he? And I went, what do you mean? He said, well... Well, he won't want us living with him all the time, will he? So I said, well, my dad stays with me. And he said, oh, no, I'm quite happy for him to come and live with us. So I said, well, that's fortunate, isn't it? I was a bit, you know, um, I was beginning to think, what, what, you know, what's going on? So he said, well, how much, how much money will I need to put down on a house, a deposit? And that's when I told him that actually I owned the house. He didn't need a deposit. So I said, but you can buy some new furniture. <laughs> so that would have been a head start in life then. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Mm. So he bought a new bedroom suite and a new dining room suite. I'd, I'd already got a nice three-piece suite, uh, you know, chairs and armchairs and settee and carpets so, so, so that was that. But uh, they got on so well together, you know, my dad and John, that some people thought they were father and son, and I was the daughter-in-law. They really did get on so very well together. Well, from all the stories I've heard about your dad and what I know of the great man yeah. himself, John, he would have um, 
But I can tell mm. you this, that uh, when we went to Paris for our honeymoon, and when we came back, the first day back at work on the Monday, I came, I, you see, my father used to arrive home before me, and, my, and Dorothy kept her eye on Paul until my dad came home, because, of course, we were living next door to each other. Um, so when I came home, things were already moving, you know. Um, my dad would be lighting the fire, because it was coal fires in those days, lighting the fire and um, washing the breakfast dishes, etc. So <laughs> the first Monday after we, uh, after John had come to live with us, he stood there. He just stood there doing nothing, you see, and uh, waiting for me to come home. And Paul said to him, you know, he'd asked him the day we got married if, if he could, can I call you dad? And he said, yes, of course you can. So he said, you know, dad, you're going to get in trouble if you don't do something. <laughs> so he was eight years old. So John said, well, well, what shall I do? He said, well, just something. He said, you could wash up if you like. So he said, oh, all right, I'll wash up. He said, just be doing something when mummy comes home. <laughs> it all worked out. Because I used to dash in and I'd stand peeling potatoes like mad, you know, as soon as I came in, <laughs> getting the dinner ready. So, yes, yeah, so so Paul actually taught him what he had to do, what his duties were. <laughs> well, he'd been a bachelor for a long time and he'd got himself into some pretty oh, he never easy had. habits. Mm. Listen, his mother was very quick to tell me. She was quite worried about him because... Um, she said, what, "Well, what time? What do you time do you have your meal at night?" I said, "About seven o'clock." She said, "Oh dear, that won't do." She said, uh, "You see, John's always used to having his meal on the table when he walks in." So I, said, so I said, "Well, if he wants me to keep working, that's not going to happen." I think it was probably quite a shock for him when he got married. You know, looking back. Oh well, I'm. Absolutely certain. Absolutely yeah. certain that would have been a shock. <laughs> when I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? And that brings us to the end of the final episode of Season 2 of Mondays with Millie. In Season 3, we'll visit the 1960s. There'll be more music from Nebe singing songs from the era and you'll need to put up with my dodgy guitar work a bit longer. We thank you for staying with us, and we're very pleased to announce that Mondays with Millie has well and truly broken through the 1,000 listens barrier across 13 countries. I've set up a Mondays with Millie Facebook page where I've posted some photos from each era and invite listeners to post questions you'd like Millie to answer. Thanks again, and we look forward to your ongoing company in season three. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. What will be, will be. 
Mondays with Millie is an e-learn production. Editing and dodgy guitar work by yours truly, Phil Cristofaro. Vocal work by Millie's granddaughter, Neve. Will I be handsome or will I be rich? I tell them tenderly. Whatever will be, will be The future's not ours to see Quesada, What will be, will be Quesada, sada.